everyone, it's Gloria, and welcome to episode 5 of Independent. Today, my guest and I will be talking about debt and credit scores. I'm sure we're all familiar with debt, but do you know how it affects your credit score? What even is a credit score? We'll be talking about different kinds of debt, strategies to pay them off, what a credit score is, how to find yours out, and factors that affect your credit score, and also why it's important. Hope you enjoy! I am here today with my friend Albert, who I have known for many, many years since elementary school. Thank you so much for joining me today. So glad to have you on the show. Thank you for having me. Why don't you start off by telling us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, so my name is Albert, born and raised in Mississauga. Did my formal education at the University of Waterloo in kinesiology. But uh, despite that kind of career trajectory, it kind of landed me into almost a completely different field, I'd say, very specifically in eye health. I have been practicing as a a vision therapist for the past two years now, which I absolutely love. And if you want to talk anything about like vision healthcare, I'm the guy. Yeah, you can contact Albert if you have any vision health issues. (laughs) For those of us who don't know what vision therapy is, could you tell us a little bit about what that is? Yeah, to sum it up, I work with someone with a compromised visual system in a rehabilitative capacity, and we do many visual exercises which challenge their sense of proprioception, their sense of what they see out throughout the world. So in many ways, it can be almost life-changing because it's kind of like they come in with this preconceived notion of how they're seeing, and then they come and do vision therapy, and it completely breaks it apart so that we can rebuild it together. That's awesome. Yeah. And it sounds super rewarding as well. Oh, it's it's really like some of the stories that I could tell is 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 like someone many years into their life and then realizing when they come and visit me, like there's so much more capacity that the brain can learn and adapt so quickly. So it's uh, so cool. So inspiring to me to be working in that capacity. That's awesome. Yes. So my next question for you is, what is your relationship with money? Oh, <laughs> oh. so money to me is, I. It, it's so strange. My relationship with money has been so topsy-turvy. I remember in my undergrad, my mentality was like, the best investment you can do is invest in yourself. So it doesn't matter what you're thinking of, if it's a crazy computer or like extra textbooks, just pile it on on the credit card, which is what I did, or like take it out of OSAP. Uh, we'll figure it out later once you have like a good paying job. So that was my kind of mentality moving forward. Obviously, it kind of accrued into debt, uh, which is what I am working towards at the moment. But uh, yeah, my I, I think I have a much better, much healthier relationship mm-hmm. uh, with money than I did earlier in my life. Before, I hated talking about money. Money actually like was nails on a chalkboard with me. I don't know if it was like from the sense of embarrassment of how I was kind of managing it. I always had a sense I was doing it wrong. Why do you think that? I think it's because my dad is an accountant and we were raised to be fiscally responsible. And it was almost like behind the scenes, I was doing all the things he wasn't like like saving up an emergency fund and but I was just blowing it on like school things or like going out and doing crazy things but I'm I'm fortunate in the sense of I was able to stick with my plan and almost I remember like a year and a half ago I just like completely stopped not, I didn't cut up my credit card but I just <laughs> stopped making that account active mm-hmm. so that definitely helped 
add to the the depth that I had, but I could definitely see the cycle. And and it was interesting with COVID happening. It was like one of the main topics was like people weren't saving enough money to kind of last them through an emergency of this caliber, for example. So what do you think was the turning point for you to finally get your finances in order? I think it was the realization that I had a lot of student debt left to pay off. And I started to try to realign with the goals that I had that I wanted to do in the future. For example, buy a car, buy a house, uh, invest in my retirement. And it was kind of like what I was doing was every paycheck that I had, I was literally just throwing it into my credit card or my or to OSAP. And then I would have no savings left over. And then within that week, I would just kind of, well, I want to go out with friends or I want to buy this thing or I buy that thing. So it kind of defeated the purpose of me putting everything. So I was very aware of the debt that I had, but I was also very aware that I didn't, I was living like I didn't have any, mm-hmm. which I had to nip in the bud right away because it was, again, the passage of time going so quickly, like at what point do you have to stop and say, like, I want to have all these goals? Yeah, no, that's very true. So you said that you have student debt, OSAP, was that it? Yes, yeah. And I also, like, whatever OSAP I didn't get covered, like, I remember there was one, like, I was doing textbooks on my credit card and then kind of just letting it go and or school supplies. Right, so you'd put some school supplies on your credit card and not pay off the entire balance at the end of the month? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I would always be paying the minimal. Minimum. Oh, okay, I see. Yeah. And did you have like a student line of credit or anything like that on, on top of your OSAP? No, that was one thing that I was very acutely aware of, like that would be a whole other mess that I didn't want to get myself into because I was already like into the credit card and the OSAP. And I felt like that was enough to get me by through school. Uh Um, I think there was an opportunity to do the line of credit. But again, it was just something that I didn't want to take on any more debt that I already had. Yeah, fair enough. And I think a lot of people think that credit cards are the easiest way to go, which I mean, they are very convenient. But when you look at the interest rate, oh man, the interest rate on a credit card is like gigantic, like 20% a year. Yeah. 19.99%. Yes, exactly. And then the line of credit could be maybe 5% or less, right? So yes, yeah. So you talked a little bit about your debt repayment strategy, which was just taking your entire paycheck and throwing it at your debt. Yes, I was very aggressive. (laughs) No, that's awesome. So do you know about any of the other debt repayment strategies that are out there? I remember at my like not my lowest point, but like the point where I was like really freaked out, like how long am I going to be keeping this up? Because I literally had no savings was like, I remember looking things up online and their first word of advice, which kind of stuck to me and made sense to me was like, um, get rid of the credit card, just stop adding money to it. And then just start aggressively paying it off just for the for the sake of Mm -hmm. paying off that high interest rate. So that was kind of my strategy going on. I'm not aware of any other strategies, though. What you mentioned is called the quote-unquote avalanche method, and that just means having all of your debts listed out from highest interest rate to lowest interest rate, and then attacking the highest interest rate ones first, because those ones would accrue the most interest, and then you'd be paying additional money. Yes. The other method that is popular is called the snowball method. And that also involves listing out all, every single one of your debts from smallest to largest. 
And then you would start by paying off the smallest amounts first to the largest amounts. And I think this one would be a lot more relevant for people who have all sorts of debt. If you just have two types, then yeah, I think avalanche method is the way to go. The avalanche method is a really good method to protect yourself in case interest rates increase because then you would be attacking the highest interest rate ones first. And this might be completely unrelated, but it is something that I feel like that comes with like a sense of no one wants to talk about it because it's almost shameful. I don't know. Is that something that is warranted? Should I be feeling this? No. Should I feel trapped? No. Should I feel embarrassed <laughs> to be like, hey, I have debt? I don't think that there's any shame in talking about debt because it is what it is. I can't imagine anyone going through life without some sort of debt, whether that is student loans or a mortgage, unless you're super, super well off and just can pay everything in cash. But I don't think that's the majority of people. The important thing is just to be smart with it. And I think if we talk about it more, then that will decrease the amount of stigma related to it and also be able to share debt reduction strategies, which can be really helpful because we can all learn from each other. At the end of the day, like you said, it is important to invest in yourself, but you also need to be mindful of what exactly you're buying and if you can afford it. Yes. Because I think that we can afford anything we want. We just need to make choices. Mm, that's, that's, a, that's really good. I like that. Yeah, because I remember it was affecting my credit score too. There were moments where, again, my knowledge of money is very limited. To me, it's very like, it comes in, it comes out. That's <laughs> that's just that's just my understanding of money. And I didn't realize so many things depended on your credit score. Like for instance, when I was trying to rent like a place, for example, one of the first things they say is, what's your credit score? And then that is actually such, like for me, I wasn't in that position, but I can imagine if people like continue to live the way I lived, where they just kind of cycle through uh, and just increasing their debt, that would create so many blocks to the things they want to be doing, which is crazy to me. I mean, it must be a reality, right? Yeah, absolutely. And that is the perfect segue into the second part of our episode where we will be talking about credit scores. Albert, why don't you tell me what a credit score is? Yes. So for my understanding, a credit score is kind of like your standing, like your trustworthiness with money is my understanding, like in the most layman terms. So like if you're, if you have a high credit score, that means, okay, this person in the past has shown that they've paid off their bills on time or they've paid their money dues. They don't have overstanding. They don't have like a delinquent account. I, I saw that term somewhere and I love that mm-hmm. to be a delinquent account. <laughs> um, And the lower your score, the more untrustworthy you are. You're more of a risk uh, to give money to. Yes, that's absolutely right. A credit score is a number and it's between 300 to 900. And exactly, it depicts what your credit worthiness is. And a credit score is based on things like your number of open accounts, total levels of debt, uh, repayment history, and some other factors. Like you said, higher scores are good. And the higher your score, it means the lower your risk to the lender. So why don't we talk about some of the inputs, like how how exactly it works? Like, what do you think that the inputs in your, your credit score are? Yeah, so it's any 
concurrent debts that you had. So I, I did a credit score recently and there was, there was one surprising thing in there that I was like, oh, I didn't know this was factor. But things that made sense to me were the student debt that I had, um, the credit card debt that I had at the moment. I can imagine that if one day I do a mortgage that, that will show up. And uh, another thing that I was surprised is my phone bill is on that. Why? I don't know. That's what made me go, huh? <laughs> that is interesting. I think it might be because it's a bill that you're paying and you could potentially be late with it. So that would affect your credit score. So yeah, no, that's that's exactly right. So it has to do with your payment history, um, the amount owed, and also your credit utilization. Oh, what's that? For example, if you have a credit card and its limit is $5,000 and every month you're using up the $5,000, then that would lead to a worse credit score than if you are only using $1,000. Huh. Oh, okay. So they do factor that. Okay. Because I remember there was one point where I was I was paying off so much of my credit card bill where they extended my credit limit, which made me very uncomfortable because it, it almost fed into like, mm-hmm. oh my God, they trust me. So let me just start spending more money. But that's again, another trap. Yes, it is a trap. But also at the same time, if you know that you can be responsible with it, it's always a good idea to accept that credit limit increase because it can help you build your credit score. Right. The next thing that also factors into your credit score is your length of credit history. Okay. For example, if you have a credit card that's been open for one year versus 10 years, it's not a really good idea to close that account that is 10 years old, even if you don't use that credit card anymore. Okay. Like you mentioned before, just cut it up and just don't use it. (laughs) Yeah. Like that's probably the best course of action. And is that just because... You just have more history with them? Yes. Why do you think it's important to have good credit? It's like a reference for an interview that you don't know you're going to get. Like, say I want to open up my own business or, like, get a house. I guess they would use that or, like, rent a property. They use that credit score to kind of almost determine my character in terms of how I am with money. So if we're playing by those kind of rules, then if I want to have the agency to kind of do what I want in in terms of my finances and to have that kind of independence, it totally makes sense for me to build up my credit score, which I was very aware when I was in school was not very good. It's something that I've been very, very aware to build better, which is now in a much better place, but it did take a lot of hunkering down. Yeah, it actually takes a really long time to rebuild up a bad credit score. Which is so scary because like within that moment of time that you're trying to rebuild it, like you're stuck almost in like, a, and the credit score is like hanging over you. It feels like, I, and I'm pretty sure there was a Black Mirror episode where it, it, like, it, it just determines so many things about your character, but I'm like, no, I'm actually a good person, but this credit score says otherwise. Also, because a lot of lenders want to see how you handled your debts in the past, and that is a good indicator of how you're likely to handle it in the future. Yeah, so it's also important to have good credit because credit card issuers, auto dealerships, and mortgage lenders will check your credit score, and they will decide based on that how much they're willing to lend you and also at what interest rate. So for example, if you're going to finance a car through an auto dealership, you can get a much better rate if you have a better credit score. Mm. Here are some strategies to keep a good credit score or to build a better credit score. Pay your bills on time. 
So don't carry a minimum Mm. balance on those credit cards. Use 35% or less Mm. of your total credit and take the credit card limit increases if you know that you'll be responsible and not overspend. So I can ask a question on why it's 35% of your total? I think 30 to 35% credit utilization is just a good rule of thumb in general because that's considered a quote unquote low credit utilization. Okay. Keep credit cards open that you've had for many years and you can definitely just have the card and not use it. You can keep it in the freezer or something like that or (laughs) cut it up. I love brand gestures. So I love like the theatrics of cutting the credit card up. Also, it's important to avoid unnecessary new debt and a variety of credit is healthy. So things like credit cards, lines of credit, mortgage, auto loan, things like that. Having different types of credit is nice. It's always good to diversify. Mm. We'll go through a couple of free places where you can check your credit score. There's Borrow Well, which gives you access to free monthly credit scores and credit reports, and they do this through Equifax. Credit Karma is another website that allows you to get a free credit score, and this is done through TransUnion. And then Mogo is another website that also gives you access to free credit scores through Equifax. So let's do a lightning round of facts or myths about credit scores. So I'm going to give you a statement and you're going to tell me if you think it's true or false. Okay. More money earned means higher credit scores. I would think that would be true. Like I was always under the impression that like just start making more money and then be on paper, people will be like, oh my God, he's making like a million dollars a year. So we can just give him this crazy credit limit. Is that not right? No, it's actually wrong because your credit score is only a measure of how timely in which you pay your bills. It has nothing to do with what you make. Really? You could make a million dollars a year, but be super late on paying your bills. You'd have a terrible credit score. I guess. Okay. Next one. Once you've settled a debt, it drops off your credit report. Oh no, it's, it's part of your history. It's for life. It stays on your credit report for up to seven years. Oh, interesting. Yeah, so it doesn't stay there for life. Credit bureaus are accurate all the time. Ooh, this is, th- this is scary to me because I want to say they're always accurate because it's like their decision can like change your life. But I also know and have heard of crazy stories. So I'm going to say false. They're not right all the time. Yeah, actually a lot of credit That's reports. That's so scary. Yeah, they contain errors. <laughs> So that's uh, isn't it typical scary? human error. Yeah. Yeah, that's so scary. Pulling or looking at your credit report will lower your credit score. Unless you do it, but if it's if it's someone else doing the report, then it will lower. Yeah. Checking your own, yeah, it does not. Okay, a person only has one credit score. Ooh, I don't know. I would think so. Like it, like you you have multiple factors affecting it but yes you would have only one credit score that's actually false that's actually false because yes so there's two major credit bureaus in canada there's equifax and transunion yes okay and each of them have their own set of reports and generate their own records so you could potentially have a different credit score with equifax than with transunion so oh so i could have a completely different report with one over the other yeah well i wouldn't say completely different but well yeah but yeah because certain creditors may only report information to one credit bureau um or the other 
So certain things may be missing from one. Right. And also they may not be updated in a timely manner. Right. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Like those two will generate a credit score based on the information they receive from creditors. And if they receive different information, then you'll have different scores. Okay. Interesting. Didn't know that. You get your credit score for free each year from Equifax and TransUnion. Is this true or false? Um, I think it's free. No, that's false because you can, you can, there's like apps that you can get that you can check on it like throughout and it's free. So you can get a free credit report from Equifax and TransUnion, but that will not include your actual score. Oh, okay. That's where they get you. You have to pay a small fee and then they tell you the number. Oh, Didn't know that. (laughs) So Albert, what were the key takeaways for you? I think I have a much better understanding of the factors that go into credit scores. Like I have a bit more understanding of not being scared of debt. I almost found this kind of therapeutic. Like again, I was at a point in my life where I was taking a lot more responsibility. And then there was this opportunity to participate in your wonderful podcast that you're doing and and normalizing a lot of these topics. And and yeah, I, I found this session like very, it was nice to kind of hear it confirmed from you, but uh, not being so scared of debt and just having a better sense of managing it better. Yeah, no, that's awesome. I'm really glad to hear that. So homework for this episode is to A, create a debt payment plan. And that would begin with listing out all of your debts from smallest to largest in terms of sum or by highest to lowest interest rate, and then create a plan from there to pay it off if you have any debt. And number two, find out your credit score. You may be surprised at what you find. So Albert, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me, Gloria. This was wonderful. I'm so glad to hear that. Any parting words for us? If there is an opportunity to be kind to someone tomorrow or or whenever, we should all take it because I think we all really need that right now. As the aspiring Independent, this is Gloria signing out. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe on your preferred podcast platform. And if you're using Apple Pods, please toss me five stars. It would help me so, so much. So see you next time. Until then, stay healthy and grow wealthy.